Good morning. Great to see you. It's exciting these days. Not a Sunday goes past these days when we don't send somebody to a different nation. Last week it was France. This week it's Israel. I think two months of being here and then going again is probably a record. But if anyone wants to try and better that, that's fine. Um, Who's going somewhere next weekend? That's my question. Um, And it's great to welcome new people as well. We love having new people at Gateway. Carol, it's great to have you with us. What a blessing. And others, I know there's probably other new people here today. It's so good to have you with us. We want to get you connected into Gateway as soon as we possibly can and doing all the things that God has for you here because we are about an adventure and a great purpose in Swindon. So we're very excited about that, even though it's August and Um, Mark is half on holiday, half working, or whatever he said he was. Um, Anyway, which brings me nicely to this morning's topic, which is work and rest. Okay, so we are in the final installment of our God in the Ordinary series. We've really been looking at all sorts of aspects of uh, everyday life, and today we're looking at work and rest. This is the final one. After this, we're going to rest, and I'm going on holiday tomorrow, which is great for two weeks. So I am um, relaxed, life is balanced, I'm not stressed, things are looking good. I was on the beach in Exmouth yesterday, I left my family there, I will be back there tomorrow. The sun was shining, as it always does in the UK by the seaside, as you all know. Um, Anyway, there you go, that's what I know about rest. I also worked for the Keep Sunday special campaign once, by the way. One summer holiday, that's my little claim to fame. Not sure we did much about keeping Sunday special, but anyway, there you go. Don't know how successful we were. Um, Anyway, why did I tell you that? Don't know. That's rest. Um, What about work? What can you tell us about work, I hear you say? I know what you're thinking, you see. I've heard the jokes as well. You guys only work on a Sunday morning, so what do you know about work? Yeah, okay, let's get that out of the system before we start. Um, I am employed by the church there, there. For those of you who didn't know, well, I, I just like to let you know that I did do a normal job once. Um, if there is such a thing as a normal job, I've uh, I've put, I've collected trolleys in the supermarket car park. I've traded electricity. I've managed call centres. You see, that's quite. Uh, there is some experience. I've hired a lot of people. I even fired someone once, actually, but that was only because I found out that she was keeping a dog in the drawer in her office. And, <laughs> And Well, that wasn't the only reason I fired her, but that was kind of the last straw. Um, and that is a true story, by the way. Um, I've made a number of people redundant. It wasn't my choice. We were closing down an office. That included the person who was going to be my wife a few weeks later. But she still married me, so that was good as well. So anyway, enough of me and work. Let's talk about uh, work and rest this morning. Okay, I... This is a huge subject. There's all sorts of things that we, uh, we could say, and uh, it touches every one of our lives, um, perhaps in more ways than we would acknowledge. Often we go along with the culture around us, I think, and uh, fit in with uh, the norms of those around us without even thinking, perhaps, or questioning whether they're biblical or godly. Um, so there's all sorts of challenges here. I didn't really know where to start, so I decided I'd take... Um, Kaz's pattern and do five do's and five don'ts on the subject of work and rest and hopefully they will press some buttons and um, give some provocations and that kind of thing and then you can go away and discuss them over your Sunday lunch um, or whatever you do, your picnic, your barbecue, what do people do in August? Uh, The sun's going to come out later. Uh, Yes, 
So here we go. Okay, we're going to start with the don'ts and then we'll finish with the do's. We'll see how far. We... I've got five don'ts and five do's. And I'd really like to pray for people at the end, but it... we'll, we'll see how we get on. Okay, and this is my first don't. Okay, don't make up false categories and boxes and divisions about work. Okay, we love to put people in boxes and put ourselves in boxes and categories, don't we? We love to uh, put boundaries around things, to put labels on things. And I I believe that we need this morning to re-examine whether the boxes and the labels that we put on people and ourselves are biblical. So what we do with our working time, if you like, the bulk of our time What we do with the resources, the abilities, the skills that God's given us, the contribution we make to those around us, to our community, that is what I'm going to define as our work this morning, okay? So that might not be paid, you might not not be employed in a legal sense, but the thing that you do with the bulk of your time, the thing that you contribute to others and those around you, the thing that uh, you use your gifts and your skills, that thing that uh, that you do... What I want to say is, what categories are we putting one another in, in respect to the things that we do for work? So is the doctor who's looked up to because they save lives and they help people at those moments of crisis, is that person, because of what they do, somehow more valuable than the person who makes things with their hands, or the person who collects and sorts our rubbish, or the person who looks after our children? And I think immediately we start to categorize people. We categorize by the salary that we have and how much money we might earn for a job. So we give hierarchies to things. We think that some things are more spiritual and some things are not. And some of us, though, we might not not acknowledge it, but deep down in our subconscious, there's this aspiration to do something that is more worthwhile, perhaps, or more spiritual or more godly. And I believe that this morning, one of the, our first don't is to, do, is to get, don't categorize people like that. If God's put you in a job, if God has given you skills and abilities and given you something to do, it might not be employed, it might not be paid, but that thing is where God's put you and he wants you there, he's got you there for purpose, his hand is upon you there, he'll enable you there by his spirit and you're supposed to be there and don't let anybody tell you that it's something less worthwhile than what somebody else does. Amen? So because you're at home and you've chosen to spend your time at this stage in life looking after your kids or looking after an elderly relative or someone who can't look after themselves, don't downgrade yourself because that's what you do for your work. It might not be paid. It might actually be a lot harder than what other people are doing in their offices. But these are equally, these incredibly valuable things. So we need to understand the things that God's called us to, the things that he's put abilities and skills in us for, and we need to believe that we're in the right place when God gives us those things to do. Amen? So don't make up false categories and divisions about work. This is what Paul says in Colossians 3, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. So whoever you work for, whether your boss is nice or not, whether you don't have a boss, whether you're at home with the kids, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. 
And that gives the thing that you do meaning and value and purpose. Amen? Amen. That's the first don't. Right, listen. This leads on to don't number two, which is don't confuse your work with your identity. Okay? We do that so easily, don't we? Let's go back a bit in that uh, chapter in Colossians, uh, back to the beginning of chapter three, and it says this. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. We ha- something dramatic has happened in our lives when God has got hold of us and we've surrendered to him and we've made him Lord. We are utterly different from the person that we be- were before. Amen? Do you believe that? And so the way we think about who we are and what we do is utterly different from before as well. We don't just drift into being Christians. We understand that now our identity is in Christ. So everything that we are and what we do is now caught up and defined by being in Christ. Amen? So you're no longer defined as the world would want to define you by what you do. That doesn't define you. And so we have a problem with this in our culture, don't we? That we, it's almost, it's often the first or second question that we ask someone when we meet them, what do you do? We define one another by it. What is it that you do for work? What is it that you do for employment? This, we've got to get out of this habit. Okay, it's our, look, don't get me wrong, it's great to find out about people. But let's not, let's not define people by the thing that they do. Because, or anything else for that matter, we, we so easily put labels on one another, don't we? We define ourselves by different things, by our family, by our background, by our work, by our history, by where we live. Don't let those things define you. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. You are, that's your, uh, your primary identity, your primary address is in Christ. That's where you're found now. And the rest flows out of that. So don't be defined by the thing that you do. And don't define other people by the thing that they do. So if you're unemployed and you haven't got a job right now, your identity is in Christ. And if you run a magnificent business that's making uh, oodles of millions of pounds, your identity is still in Christ. It makes no difference. Before him, we're equal. Amen? Colossians 2, the chapter before, says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality is found in Christ. And I'd say the same thing. Don't let anybody define you by the thing that you do. These things have the appearance of wisdom. But you, believer in Christ, are a child of the living God. Bought at a price, adopted into the family of God with purpose, with hope, with a future that is not defined by what you do Monday to Friday or Saturday or Sunday right now. So that's the, so don't make up false categories. Don't confuse your work with your identity. Number three, don't think you don't need to rest or sleep. It's, it's, it's fashionable, isn't it? The, it's cool not to need so much sleep. It's cool to, to brag about how late we stayed up or how early we got up because of all the busy things that we do. Because we're so important, you know. 
But that's the subtext, isn't it? We've got so much on. Resting is one of the aspects of being created in the image of God. So Genesis chapter 2 verse 3 says this, Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now God didn't need to rest, but he chose to. That was the pattern. He chose to stop working and to rest. He didn't need to replenish his energy. He's God. He's all-powerful. And he's made us in the same pattern as him. We reflect his pattern. Actually, he's made us to need to take one day off in seven. To have a portion of our life where we don't do the things that we do at other times. No other, have you ever thought about it? No other animal or creature takes a day off. It's just, it, it uniquely defines us as human beings. It's part of the creation order. We rest because we're made in the image of God. And the great thing about rest is this. It tells you that you're weak and dependent on God. Amen? The fact that you have to spend nearly a third of your life asleep doing apparently nothing fruitful. See, we don't like that. Instinctively, we think we're not using. That is not a good use of time. I could do something more useful. But that's because we, make our, we set ourselves up to be gods. We're not. We're weak. We're vulnerable. We need to sleep. And that's good. That's how God made us. We're dependent on him. We're very sophisticated in some ways, aren't we, as human beings? Or we like to think we are. But also incredibly, incredibly weak and vulnerable in many ways. And rest and sleep helps to remind us that we're actually very dependent on God. We're created beings. And we look to him to supply our needs as we follow the pattern that he set for us, being created in his image. Yeah? I used to work in an environment um, where it was pretty cool to be the last to stay in the office. If you stayed there later, that was good. If you got there before everybody else, that was pretty cool too. Um, I I've had some times where I worked on, we were working on acquisitions and things. And, do you know, at the peak of those, we worked right through weekends. We were, we were even to seal a deal a couple of times. We worked right through the night. How cool were we? But there's a culture, uh, you, this might not be the culture you work in. You might have the reverse. And the thing is that we're all inclined to go off kilter on this, either one way or the other. So this is one don't, which is don't think that you can, do, you can push the boundaries of God. That actually, you see, the thing about that is that a lot of it's about pride. I was very foolish, really. I thought that it made me successful and important. Actually, I got really ill after that, after one of those, for a long time. Do you remember that, Mark? And I think that was a key factor in it because it wasn't following the pattern that I was made in. So don't think you don't need to rest or sleep. It's part of being made in the image of God. Number four, don't make your weekend or your holiday the thing that gets you through life. Okay? Now, this is the reverse imbalance. You see, I think I, uh, someone, I heard once someone in a seminar say that we're all inclined either to be workaholics or to be lazy. Inclined, okay? Because, because of the fall, because we're not perfect, then all of us will have an inclination towards being a workaholic or an inclination to being lazy. 
And I, I think that's really interesting. It's probably true. We, so we need to understand our strengths and our weaknesses. Because if the weakness or the imbalance that I just talked about is, was kind of work good, rest bad, or if you like, work strong, rest weak. Um, if that was the last imbalance, then this one is work bad, rest good. Okay, that's this imbalance. We're just getting through work. You know the, the approach. We don't have a choice. We have to pay the bills. We're just waiting for the weekend or the next holiday. You see, that's not true either because God made us to work. We were made to spend quite a lot of our time working, using the skills and the abilities that God's given us in all sorts of different ways, not, as I said, uh, might look like all sorts of different things, not the standard pattern necessarily. But I think, and I think this is a, a, a key area for us, but I think if this is our weakness, then our problem probably is that we've got a wrong view of rest. We think it's all about me. We think getting to the weekend, I get to do whatever I want. You know, I work for somebody else all week. I have to do that. It's part, I've got to do it. I put up with it. But come the weekend, this is my territory. This is where I decide what to do. I get to satisfy myself. I am the God of all that I survey. No, but that's the inclination. And we have to be careful that we're not going over into that, which is not a godly thing at all, that actually we get to set the... We don't. We never do that. We're created beings. Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives. There's some things that we need to do with our rest. We need to be a blessing to those around us. We need to build church together. We need to be a blessing to our families. It's not all about me just because you got to the holiday or the weekend. And that's our danger in our culture that is so busy and we, we, we scrape our way to the weekend or to the holiday and then it's like, oh, let it all veg out and I'll just do whatever I please, thank you very much. Never mind everybody else who's around me. It's not, that's not the godly pattern. Actually, we get confused, I think, about rest. You see, Matthew, Jesus, speaking in Matthew 11, he says this, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You see, ultimately, rest comes from being in Christ. Rest comes from being in relationship with Jesus, from having a good relationship with him. We find our rest ultimately by relating well to God, because he's the center, he's the Lord. Amen? So it's not about just doing what we want to do when we get to our rest time. It's actually about honoring Jesus with all of our lives, whether we're at work or whether at rest. That, happens, that is the pattern, work and rest, that we need to do because we're made in the image of God. But actually in both, we need to honor God. We need to put him first. Actually, true rest, true fulfillment and peace and satisfaction is found as we put him first in each place. As we go to work and say, God, how would you have me be? I want to be a model for you. I want to bear your image in this place where you've put me. But also in our rest time, with our families, with our friends, in our communities, in our church family. God, in this place, I want to be a blessing. I want to follow your lead. I want to rest well when I'm not doing my work. Amen? And finally, on the same theme... Don't think in terms of retirement. Okay? Oh, little bit of a murmur there. Uh, controversial, this one. Um, but who exactly came up with the idea of retirement? It's not really a thing, is it? If you go to your small group this week and try to do a Bible study on retirement, 
Well, you won't have much of a Bible study. You won't really find it, you see. And in most cultures and in most uh, times in history, there would have been no such thing. Equally, as there wouldn't have been going off to places on holiday, by the way, as your escape. Because that just didn't exist or doesn't exist for most people in the world. Same with retirement. And I think this is, I'm going to provoke you, go and talk about it over dinner. But the idea of saving up for 20 years so that you can chill out watching game shows, going on the golf course, and getting your drive block paved. It's a funny old concept, isn't it? Sorry about the block paving thing. It's just a bit of a bee I've got in my bonnet at the moment. Uh, You all, nearly every, I hope you don't live near me, but every house, the block, what is it with block paving? What is this identity found in block paving? You need to keep up with your block paving. Gray this week I saw, very nice, nicer color than red. Anyway, listen, when you get towards the end of life, work might look different. So don't hear what I'm not saying. It might get shorter. You might do different things. It might not be paid. Great. And by the way, at any stage of life, you see, particularly retirement, I'm not against pensions, by the way. If you've got a pension and that's saved up, and that means that you can do things with your skills and gifts at the end of life that don't require you to be paid, fantastic. That's great, isn't it? That's okay. So I'm not talking about pay, I'm not talking about standard jobs, but actually that I believe for the whole of life, as appropriate to the stage and the the ability and the health and all of those things, but God wants us to be fruitful with with the skills and the gifts that he's given us. And I think we can get into a whole wrong load of thinking about retirement, that we're aiming for this amazing thing at the end of life and we're saving up, it's kind of the me culture again, and I'm get there and I'm just going to splurge and just enjoy myself and travel the world and, and spend the money that I have saved up. Who gave you the ability to save up the money in the first place? We need to honor God with all of life. Amen? Did you know this is a sobering statistic? Apparently, if a man retires at 65, immediately his, um, his, his, the chances of having a fatal heart attack double immediately. You see, we just weren't made for a day of arbitrary shutdown at some point. It's not what we're made for. We need to be fruitful. We need to ask God what it is that he'd have us do. But I don't believe, I want to abandon the concept of retirement. Okay, those me don't. Should we we do some do's? Right. Do. Do understand that work is part of God's design. So human beings were made... And some of, these will, some of this will go over things we've already said, but human beings were made in the image of their creator with characteristics for, that fit them for creative work. So Genesis 1.28 says this, God blessed them, human beings, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then again, Genesis 2, verse 2, by the seventh day, God had finished his, the work that he'd been doing. So God worked, we're made in his image, but also he's given us this job of ruling, subduing, overseeing, looking after the planet in all sorts of different ways. There's no divide between what's spiritual, what's secular, but there's a whole load of stuff that needs doing to make things work well. 
to bring God's image more and more onto the earth. So if we're able to, 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10 says this, if we're able to, we need to work. Remember, that's work in its broadest sense, might not be paid. And so because it's part of our created pattern, done in reliance on God, it, will, it should bring his glory and our joy, our fulfillment. So why do we need to work? Well, it's the creator's pattern. Work's a way of providing for our needs. But remember this, actually, it's the fall that has linked so directly our work with our provision of food and clothing. So actually, the Bible says that we're to go to God for our needs first, okay? So don't let's get confused that, uh, that we're dependent on this particular job or this particular income or pay packet because actually God is our provider. So that's an important uh, way to think. We need to think biblically about that. So God's our provider. If he doesn't provide for you in this particular way, then he'll provide for you in a different way as long as you trust him. So actually, it is a way that it provides for our needs. But secondary in our thinking to depending on God. Amen? Work also, uh, the Bible tells us, is a way of providing for the needs of others. So Ephesians 4 verse 28, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So uh, work is also about being able to share with those who are in need, those who can't work for themselves, those uh, who are in, in more difficult positions than we are. So don't think that just because you've got a big salary that that means that you get more to spend. And this is where, uh, interest, interesting, that um, if you go back to the talk a few weeks ago, this is my little, my little challenge back to Mark Owen with the 80-10-10. But if you have a very big salary, you might wanna, you, you might, your 10-10 might want to go up. You, do you know what I'm talking about? Were you here for that sermon? You know, live on 80, live on 80%, give away 10%, save 10%. That, those percentages might change if you earn a lot of money. Because one of the things about working is that we can give to the needs of others. And we can give into the kingdom. So actually, there's no, nothing wrong with being ambitious to earn a lot of money. I think that's a great ambition if it's godly and you want to give a lot of money away. That's a fantastic ambition to have. Amen? There's nothing wrong with money. It's the love of money that's a problem. So we work as a way of providing for the needs of others. And finally, work builds bridges for the gospel. So 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 11 says this, You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. So the way that we work, our attitudes, the way that we uh, look to God, the way that we go about the things that we do, our faithfulness, our lack of gossip, our integrity, all the things, the way that we should honor God, should build bridges with outsiders, should win the respect of those who don't yet know Jesus. Amen? So number one, do's. Understand that work is part of God's design. Number two, do. Expect frustration, but also fulfillment. So this is a difficult little balance here, because I, and one of those questions in our culture, I think, often is, um, you, you know, should I feel fulfilled in my job? 
I, I don't really enjoy, I enjoy it. I'm not really satisfied. Is that something we should look for or not? Well, the answer is it's a bit of a funny mixture, isn't it? Because we know that because of the fall, because of mankind's rebellion against God, actually that work is going to be difficult in some ways. It won't be straightforward. It isn't as God originally planned in that sense. So Genesis 3.17 says this, Cursed is the ground because of you. So this is because of man's rebellion. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. So there are struggles. There are frustrations because we live in a fallen world. It has gone wrong. It's been broken in that sense, God's original design. And yet... We who are in Christ have been redeemed. So there's a restoration towards that original pattern and better. The kingdom has come, but it's not yet fully come. So as we look to God, we should, I believe we should be looking to, to be fulfilled, to be satisfied, to know some peace. As we look to God to do the thing that he gives us skills and gifts to do. But there will be that frustration as well because we live in a broken and fallen world. Yeah? Yeah? So there'll be that challenge. But then also, I'd say, you know, self-fulfillment, wanting to be satisfied, that is a, a bit of a God of our age as well, isn't it? That I want to feel good about everything that I do. I don't know if that's a particularly godly approach. I don't think it's wrong to look for a sense of achievement, for some contentment, some dignity in our work. But I think it's important how we look for that. So I don't know, you may well have heard the story, the famous story about a Chinese pastor who was imprisoned for his faith. And um, because he was a Christian, he was given the worst jobs to do in the prison. And he had to um, clean out the human refuse tank. That was his job. He had to, and to do that, he had to get in it. But his testimony was that because the smell was so bad and the, play, the environment was such a terrible place to work, that actually nobody else came near him. And that he could sing and worship to God. And actually it became his sanctuary with God, if you like, was his testimony. So I think we have to be careful what we're looking for in fulfillment and what we're looking for in satisfaction. We've got to put God first and say, God, I believe that you've given me this work. I'm going to, look, I'm going to uh, seek to honor you in the way that I do it. If we're still unsettled, maybe we need to change our job. There's nothing wrong with that. You see, the thing about Christianity is it's, it's not really about rules, is it? It's about relationship with God. And so as he gives us these things, we need to be before him, honor him the way we do it, and, and look to bear his image as we work and as we rest. Amen? Number three, do. Establish a healthy pattern or rhythm of life. So we've talked about work and rest. We've, talk, we've said that that is the biblical pattern. And, you know, I think I, in recent days I've realized more and more how the rhythm of life is important. So a couple of years ago, we changed the way we did the diary at church here. And we, um, you'll know that we set up small groups so that we, we did them on a termly basis. And we had the, the kind of seasonal pattern of uh, an intensive time where we met together and and. and did fellowship, were a blessing to one another. And then we had the more fallow times where we weren't officially meeting as small groups. We did that as a team as well. And we found that, well, I found that, I don't know about the other guys, but such a healthy way of operating. Actually, it's not, we weren't created to go at things at the same pace all through life. We need the seasons. We need the rhythm of life. We need the up times and the down times. When we went to two meetings, um, 
as leaders, we were working longer hours on a Sunday. We'd start, well, I, we did it differently, but I started taking Monday mornings off. That was my time together with Helen. It wasn't, we weren't doing the kids. We were catching up on jobs. We were catching up on one another. And it, it, it was an incredible blessing to us uh, as a couple and as a family. As it, it, it just helped the rhythm of life that we knew we got to Monday mornings and that was our time together. We caught up and we were refueled for the week. And I think that we've got to find that for ourselves. There's no rights and wrongs in this, but the rhythm of life is really important, isn't it? That everything doesn't merge into one. So there's a great quote, that, a brilliant book by Kevin DeYoung, I think Colin quoted him last week actually, brilliant little book called Crazy Busy, a mercifully short book about a really big problem. It's a great book, do get it. Um, sorry, small print, bear with me. Many of us are less busy than we think, but life feels constantly overwhelming because our days and weeks and years have no rhythm. As we saw in the previous, oh no, no, don't worry about that. One of the dangers of technology, here's an interesting one, is that work and rest blend together in a confusing mush. We never quite leave work when we're at home, so the next day we have a hard time getting back to work when we are at work. We have no routine, no order to our days. We're never completely on and never totally off. So we dawdle on YouTube for 20 minutes at the office, and then we catch up on emails for 40 minutes in front of the TV at home. And I think that's a really interesting point, isn't it? That we've kind of blurred the boundaries and technology is a, a, a bad thing for that in some ways. That we don't have that rhythmic pattern that actually God created us for, where we switch everything off at some times. And we're not interacting in the same way we do. I think that's a really important thing. That the message ver version of Matthew 11 um, the, the, the passage that talks, come to me, all you who are weary. I love the message version because it says this, walk with me. This is Jesus speaking. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I think we need to do that. That's a great phrase. We need to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Being yoked to Jesus, led by the Spirit and walking in the, learning that rhythm from him. We can't it's going to be different for each one of us. So you can't make up rules about it, but we need to find it in, in relationship with God. Okay, number four. Get to grips with busy. Now, I don't have... I'm not going to say much about this. I'm just going to say this is a problem, isn't it? In our culture, in our society, we're all busy. It's almost as bad as the identifying people with their job thing. That when... What's... What... 50% of the answers, at least, that you get to people when you say, how are you? Well, they're either busy or they're tired. I mean, what's happened to us? I'm busy. We're all busy. Hello, busy. This, it's, our, it's, the, it's, the sick, it's the sickness of our culture. I don't think it was... Do you think it was meant to be like that? I, I haven't got the golden ticket, by the way, or the, whatever the phrase is. I don't know the answer, but I think that we need to be talking about it. I think that we need to be praying about it. I think we need to be provoking one another about it. I think we have to ask one another, what do you think of my balance in life? What do you, how do you think I'm doing work and rest? Let's speak into one another that we see, that we know, because we have a busy problem, don't we? We have a tired problem. And some, that means that something's out of kilter, I reckon, when I read the Bible, don't you think? And the problem is, it's, it is this thing about if we feel busy, we kind of feel like we're important. Like we must be, oh no, I'm not going to do that quote. There's another good quote, but 
And, the thi- and, and we can't, you see, we've been talking a lot over recent weeks, haven't we, about being led by the Spirit and walking with God through life. The thing is, if we're always busy, heads down, we can't really, th- this is a problem. I think half the time we don't hear what the Spirit's saying or not able to walk by the Spirit because well, our heads are too full. We're too busy. We're on to the next thing. It, Clive Elliott, you, you taught me a great lesson in this. You've, I, it was something you said. You might not even remember this. But I remember you saying you can choose how you go about life. You can go about with your eyes open or you can go about with your eyes down. And a lot of us go about with our eyes down because we're so focused on the next thing and our schedule. Isn't that right? And that means we don't have our eyes open to see what God's doing with the person that we're walking past in the street or the person at the till or the person in, in our home. And God, and God is saying, wake up. Hello, I'm here. I want to lead you by my spirit. I want to release gifts of the spirit. I want to release uh, power of the spirit actually into different situations. But your, your eyes are shut. Your eyes are down because you're onto the next thing in your diary. This is a problem for us, isn't it? So let's talk about busy, shall we? We're not going to do it now. We're not going to sort this. And finally, do. See the bigger eternal picture of work and rest. So we've talked about work and rest. Hopefully we've pressed some buttons. Hopefully we'll go away and talk about where are we out of kilter? What's our weakness? What do we see in one another? How are we... uh, Are we resting and working with the right attitude towards God? There's lots of questions for us to ask. But at the end of the day, there's a bigger picture of work and rest that the Bible talks about. Hebrews 4 verse 1 says this. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did, but the mess that's the Israelites, by the way, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. So actually, the Bible talks about the ultimate rest, which is to be found in Christ. That when the kingdom is fully come, that there is a future which, where there will be for us who are in Christ, who have given our lives to him, made Jesus Lord, there is a place where we will have... F- uh, complete fulfillment, complete satisfaction, complete rest in that sense, complete peace. That is the offer of the Christian gospel. And so if, you're not, if you haven't given your life to Christ today, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, then I want to go back to the words of Jesus in Matthew that says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Because there's only one place ultimately to find rest, and that is in Christ. Only one place ultimately that we know that deep inner peace and that there's the promise of complete fulfillment and rest at the end of life and that offer is on the table this morning come to me all you who are weary and if you're not if you haven't made that step if you haven't made Jesus Lord this morning I want to invite you I want to welcome you to come and do that we'd love to pray with you and talk to you because there there is a bigger picture that's the most important rest that we mustn't miss out on Let's look at life. Let's look at work and rest in the light of eternity, in fact. Well, that means that you don't have to visit everywhere on holiday in your retirement because that's for eternity, don't we? Let's let's advance the kingdom while we're here. Let's use the gifts that God's given us. Let's work with all that we've got to be fruitful because you can visit other places in eternity. You probably visit other planets. I don't know. But that's for then. Ultimate rest comes later. Right now, there's a job to be done. Amen? Right, there we go. That'll do. Um, Listen, I'd really... It is 11 o'clock, but I'd just love to pray. If there's any situation to do with work, to do with the balance of life, 
Maybe you're really frustrated in a job. Maybe you haven't got a job right now. Maybe you just don't know what you should be doing next. Maybe everything just feels busy and you don't know where to stop and you feel like things are out of kilter. In Any of those kind of things, I'd love to invite you. Anything to do with work at all. It doesn't have to be negative. Maybe you're just asking God for direction right now. I'd love you to just invite you to stand and I'm just going to pray briefly. Those of you who love to pray just into different work situations, whatever it is, with work, with rest, with the balance of life, just stand right now. Let's uh, close our eyes. Let's lift our hands before God. Father, Lord, I thank you for this incredible creation pattern that you have set in place. I thank you that we've got your word, Lord, that we see this uh, way that we're, that we're created to live in your image, working, resting, using the gifts that you've given us. Lord, it, it's amazing. Father, my prayer this morning is that you would teach us how to live well in this area. And Father, for each one who's standing before you right now, Lord, I just want to pray, come Holy Spirit, right now. We just welcome you, Holy Spirit. Say, come on each one. Father, I pray that as eyes are lifted to you this morning, Lord, that you would drop wisdom into people's hearts. Lord, that you would drop a direction. Lord, that you would speak into people's minds right now. Lord, I just pray, break in on difficult situations that seem like there's no solution right now. Father, I pray, break in in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for uh, divine guidance to come. I pray for peace to come. I pray for, Lord, where there's imbalance in life. Lord, I pray, give great wisdom and grace, Father. I pray that in conversations after today, Lord, there be nuggets and drops of wisdom that come from you. By your spirit, Lord, I lift each one of my brothers and sisters to you now and I say, Lord, break in by your spirit. Bless. I bless you. I bless you in the workplace. I bless you in the future workplace that you don't yet know about. In the name of Jesus, I bless the fruitfulness of your hands and the gifts that God has given you. I bless uh, the, the rewards of your work. I bless family life and the balance of life and, and serving one another in our rest. I bless that in you in the name of Jesus. Amen.